0: Hey everybody, welcome back for another week of the Let's Dig In podcast. I'm your host, Chef Rich Rosendell, and we're joined with our co-hosts, Christopher Ryloff and Rachel Barnett. And this week, I'm super excited because you, you guys know I love barbecue. It's also that time of the year. Everybody's putting briskets and pork shoulders on the smoker. Well, we figured we would reach out to Daniel Vaughn. He is the Barbecue editor at Texas Monthly. Uh, He's an architect turned uh, food critic, but obviously with barbecue, many consider him to be the sheriff of Texas barbecue. If you're cooking barbecue anywhere in the United States and you're calling it Texas barbecue, you're going to be on his radar. Uh, But we had a great conversation. He really kind of gave us some insights as to how he goes about uh, selecting uh, various places in Texas and talked about some of the different regions and who's doing great barbecue. Uh, it was a great conversation. So without further ado, let's dig in with Daniel Vaughn. Daniel, um, great. Thanks for being on uh, the Let's Dig In podcast. Uh, Daniel, for those of us, uh, for those, a lot of the people that we have, we have a huge uh, foodie, uh, a lot of chefs that follow the show, but can you fill uh, all of our listeners in? Tell us a little bit about uh, what you do and how you how you got started.
1: Yeah, uh, well, I am the barbecue editor at Texas Monthly, and uh, it, it is a strange thing. I'm a, I've lived in Texas for twenty years now. I moved here after uh, graduating from architecture school at Tulane, and was an architect here for twelve years. And uh, I just I fell in love with Texas barbecue as soon as I moved here, and um, you know, I uh, had Texas Monthly was the first magazine that I got a subscription to after I moved here, and they had recently, uh, or within a couple of years of me moving here, they had come out with a new top fifty barbecue list. And uh, you know, I used that as a good excuse to go out and, and search <laughs> Texas for barbecue. And you know, so that was really my introduction to Texas barbecue outside of Dallas was using that guide uh, to go eat barbecue and. Uh, You know, I was traveling a lot of miles and I wanted to keep track of the places, more really the places I didn't like, make sure I didn't repeat those. And so I started a blog, Full Custom Gospel Barbecue, and that was back in 2008. Uh, And so I started that blog and just started writing about all the barbecue joints. Like I wasn't a trained writer. Um, I didn't go to journalism school. Uh, You know, I just, uh, yeah, I just started blogging. And really, just started taking in reader input on what they wanted to hear from me and sort of the opinions they wanted. Uh, people always wanted more photos, and so yeah, I just uh, continued to add on to that blog. And once I was about 500 posts in, wow. uh, Texas Monthly asked if I could be part of their uh, part of their team. And really, it was just more of an informal thing. They wanted me to to write some freelance pieces and be part of their tasting team for the 2013 Top 50. Uh, But by the time that top 50 came out, I uh, had convinced the editor there to give me a full-time job writing about barbecue. I quit my job in architecture. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. um, My, uh, (laughs) my, my wife was not (laughs) quite as happy with it (laughs) as I was, but she was very supportive. Uh, When I first got the call from Jake Silverstein, who was the editor back then, I called my wife. It's like, Hey, they're offering me this job. This is so awesome. Like, uh, I can't believe it. And she's like, "Well, how much does it pay?" It's like, "Oh,
2: <laughs> <laughs> not <laughs> even close." Where like, was. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um,
1: I guess we got to talk about that. So, I mean, she's always been. Barbecue. Yeah, I mean, she's always been the breadwinner of the family. Anyway, uh, she's always made more money than I have. I'm totally fine with that, uh, and continues to. So that, that's where we are today. Now, eight years into this job, uh, full time. Driving around Texas, eating barbecue, and writing about it. What a rough life! I know. I know. God, just drive around Texas and eat barbecue and write about it. Yeah, it's the the research I would do for free. It's the writing part they pay me for. Right? Yeah, exactly.
0: Daniel, so uh, I mean, it's really interesting to kind of hear the uh, the evolution of that, and how would you say that since the uh, since kind of getting started um, in, in the very beginning, how would you say that you've kind of seen uh, Texas barbecue, whether that be regionally or or even as you look at that compared around the United States, how do you feel like barbecue in America has really changed since since
1: you got started? well, uh, when I started writing uh, about barbecue on the blog, this was uh, you know pre Aaron Franklin and I think that is really what marks the huge shift in Texas barbecue is uh, post 2010 after he opened he opened in late 2009 and uh, so much changed about Texas barbecue after that point. I'm not saying that he's the only reason for that. He's certainly a, a big reason for the influence of Texas barbecue now, but back when I first started writing about Texas barbecue, it was seen as a, uh, uh, I, I don't know, this uh, sort of quirky barbecue style that really fascinated itself with, with beef rather than pork. And uh, I really think the Memphis, Kansas City, Carolina style barbecue had much more prominence. Uh, I think across the country, as far right. as familiarity and just overall, um, yeah, just overall popularity. Uh, you know, the it's just funny to have seen that shift so dramatically to now, where you know, just a couple of weeks ago, I went to North Carolina to you know i went and certainly ate a lot of pork but i was there to check on the brisket and you know this thing that this piece of meat this cut of meat that was so foreign to anybody in north carolina 10 years ago uh is now found you know pretty pretty easily across the state yeah and actually went to a couple of places that were dead ringers for texas barbecue joints i mean not just taking brisket and adding it to the menu but like taking the entire philosophy of texas barbecue and applying it to their business model uh the atmosphere the uh you know the barbecue you know standing in line for barbecue watching your individual trays be built right in front of you uh having a a vast array of proteins and, and sides and uh yeah just If I I went to a place called John G's in in Peachland, North Carolina, which is east of Charlotte, and I might be getting a little ahead of the conversation here, but it was just one of those feelings. Like if I dropped a a Texas barbecue fan right in the front of that place on a Saturday morning with the the line forming in front of them and the uh, the smell of oak smoke and the uh, J&R oiler smoker from Mesquite, Texas, and uh, the, the free cooler of beer, Uh, they would have sworn they were in Texas about to eat barbecue. I mean, not until they saw the the Cheerwine uh, available (laughs) by the register, but they have a clue that they're outside of Texas. So to have gone from, uh, you know, having Texas barbecue being seen as this sort of oddity in the barbecue world to being what today is by far the most dominant style as far as what people are emulating across the country is uh, pretty dramatic to have seen that change. And, you know, I, I really do think that a lot of that has to do with Aaron Franklin um, and just the way he brought prominence to to brisket uh, and the way he shared the ways that he prepares it and made that accessible to so many other people.
0: I mean, it's amazing, too, like how uh, quickly he kind of rose to, like, the, the the benchmark or the standard you know that people would point to as far as like look if you're going to do brisket this is this is the man this is the restaurant you go to to, to, to taste it uh, but that it just it's it's really just incredible and you know you, you mentioned like uh, the different regions in the country uh, of of their styles of barbecue um, I feel like when I was kind of growing up there was the you know the the ones we know about you know the the Texas and North Carolina and Kansas City but I also feel like um, when I got out of culinary school, I feel like a lot of the people that even like chefs and uh, pit masters, aspiring pit masters would go to Texas. They'd go to a lot of these classic, you know, these classic places and they would learn the craft of barbecue and they kind of move around the country. And as a result, here we are years later and there's some pretty good barbecue, like, I mean, really great barbecue in all, you know, in places what you would normally consider like, you know, culinary backwater, like a place that, you know, you never even would have thought of as a food town. And, and I also think that New York has almost uh, become like another barbecue region that is kind of this like uh, mixture of um, obviously the different ethnic backgrounds and everything. Uh, but I feel like, you know, a lot of the craft, the origins go back to your, your, you know, places like Texas where, you know, they've been doing it for years, you know, um, but it's been really kind of amazing to see.
1: Yeah, I think one, one thing about New York, though, is uh, I was really hopeful for New York for a while that it would continue to grow, the popularity and the, the number of places opening. And I, I feel like a lot more places have closed um, and not as many places have, have jumped in to sort of take their place. So yeah. while I, I love uh, the barbecue that's there, you know, places like Hometown uh, yeah. are doing a phenomenal job of, Uh, of texas style barbecue and making it their own with their uh you know making it their own sort of new york style barbecue as well and and i think you know that part is what makes me hopeful is to see that maturation yeah i think if you're gonna create a barbecue style within a city uh within a region that hasn't had it in the past you've got to start somewhere and uh, like i said a, a lot of places have started with you know copying texas barbecue but i think uh you know when you start to see some of those changes happening and uh that that maturation into their own style of barbecue is what really makes me hopeful for you know the continuation of barbecue as a as a tradition that has uh regional aspects and regional flavors across the country and you know i i follow
0: your uh your twitter uh, feed a lot. And I will see you posting a lot of um, like just amazing um, uh, little places that you've never even heard of. And it's like, oh my God, it looks so good. Do you feel like there's anything that you've seen that's anything that's maybe uh, hot this year, as far as maybe it's a region uh, or a particular influence, anything that you've seen, you know, we're kind of coming off the, the heels of the uh, pandemic and those have made impacts on restaurants and people are kind of recalibrating for you know for needs of uh, being profitable and stuff but have you seen anything that you feel like is kind of really hot or a, a trend or anything
1: this year yeah uh you know there there are a few things really um boudin is one of them wow. you know um a, a lot of places really focus on a lot of barbecue joints in texas specifically focus on sausage making uh as a big part of the barbecue style here And while, you know, boudin certainly uh, has its roots in Louisiana, Cajun country, uh, it's making a a link of boudin isn't all that much different than making a link of sausage. Uh, And while down in Southeast Texas, you'd seen smoked boudin in a number of restaurants. um, Now it's starting to spread and you see it in North Texas and and Central Texas uh, using um, brisket instead of pork, you know. Uh, down at Truth Barbecue, Leonard Botello uh, in Houston, he uses frozen uh, chunks of brisket, leftover already smoked brisket, and he grinds that into the rest of his mixture uh, along with the rice and smokes it. Uh, There's um, burnt and boudin has become uh, sort of a signifier of, you know, a, a modern Texas barbecue, of using a beef base, uh, a smoked beef base in the boudin rather than strictly pork. Um, there's even like a crawfish boudin, a smoked crawfish boudin at Bodacious Barbecue in Hallsville in East Texas. Um, and so, yeah, there are lots of different boudins and you know, I don't know if it is because of the pandemic or if it's related to that at all, but I mean, if I was running a business and seeing meat prices today, I would certainly want to perfect the sausage, the tap <laughs> Um, You
0: actually, you just said, I was like taking some notes here because you just gave me some like great ideas that I'm going to go in and tell the team like, okay, guys, (laughs) we're making some sausage using some of the leftover cooked brisket. Um, uh, Great, great ideas. I love that. Um, uh, And you kind of led right into uh, one of the questions I had here uh, with brisket prices, like raising so sharply. And I'm sure by the time this podcast is on, they're probably going to go up even more given the... uh, the recent uh, hack with uh, meat supply uh, but man oh man it's getting so expensive i mean are you seeing it um in in texas as well and have you seen it at like the uh, retail level i mean you've seen it in
1: grocery stores these these sort of price hikes mm-hmm. always hit the uh, food delivery services always hit the restaurants before they hit retail retail on their buying power and as far ahead as they buy um, those those price hikes always happen later uh, which sucks for restaurants because the restaurants are raising their prices and the consumer is like, well, hey, idiots, your prices aren't going up. <laughs> Look what's uh, over here at the H-E-B or the Kroger. I could still yeah. get brisket for this Costco, much. Yeah, Costco, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I, I literally just got back from a barbecue road trip. Like I walked in the door five minutes before we got started here and I talked to one guy who's using 1855 Prime briskets and his latest shipment came in at 580 a pound. For brisket. Really? That was that's kind of like 290 heard. Wow. um you know six months ago. Oh my uh, god. Another guy, he's he's shopping around um, uh, you know, any retail outlet he can find, a uh, restaurant depot and Costco and whatnot. And uh the cheapest he's finding for just choice briskets is about four bucks a pound. Wow. So it, it is a dramatic spike right now. And, and where was that at? Uh, so the, the second one I talked about, that was Harris barbecue, uh, which is in Cedar Hill, which is just uh, Southeast, I'm sorry, Southwest of Dallas. And then the other one was at uh, barbecue on the browsers, which is in a Texaco station, uh, just in Crescent, which is just Southwest of Fort Worth. Uh, so, you know, that's the, that's the numbers we're seeing right now. And none of these have, have, uh, taken into account anything that just happened with JBS that happened two days ago. Right. So that, that hit in supply uh, isn't going to affect the market for at least a few days. And so we haven't even seen, you know, how that's gonna have a ripple effect. Uh, But yeah, you know, Tejas barbecue down in Tomball, He showed a photo of his menu and like every price on his uh, on his butcher paper menu has a green piece of masking tape over it because he had to raise (laughs) the price on pretty much everything. He's selling his brisket for thirty four dollars a pound right now. Um, And when we had brisket that was twenty dollars a pound five years ago, people were just up in arms like how could that possibly be? And, you know, t- uh, Terry Blacks just went up to, well, not quite 30, 29.98 a pound. So um, where five years ago we would see a move from barbecue joints posting their price per half pound, and now I'm seeing some places posting their price per quarter pound. Uh, so that they don't get that. uh, Yeah. Right. That sticker. so that customers (laughs) don't get that shock value. We've tried that. (laughs) Yeah. But you know, then the other side of all that though, is you raise your prices because, you know, you got to raise your prices because as I, as I told Kelvin Harris, Harris barbecue today, like you're not working this hard to not make money. Right. Right. (laughs) You got to charge what you got to charge. And you know, I, uh, after hearing so many and seeing so many conversations about the price of brisket, it's almost like it's just people talking about the weather. Like they wanna complain about something.
2: Right. And
1: they're already in line at your barbecue joint. That's where they're complaining about it. And they're still gonna right. order the brisket. Right? They're, they just want something to complain about. So right. uh, you know, if you want that. your favorite barbecue joint to be around, you better hope that they're charging enough to be able to make money. Right, Good. good point. Um, it's, uh, it's actually
0: interesting you mentioned that because I, now that we've got you on the show, I got to send you out, uh, afterwards we're just about done with it. But we're getting ready to launch a, a all natural beef tallow. soap that has our brisket fat, cause there's a lot of it and, uh, charcoal, a little castor oil and some lye. And I'm going to tell you what it is like, it, it lathers up beautifully. It keeps your skin moist. I mean, and it smells good. Uh, so I got to send you some of that. We're trimming it, obviously, before we we cook it. But, you know, this yeah. was prompted because of these crazy, you know, the prices going up. And as you said, you know, you got to make sure that you can stay profitable. So uh, well,
1: I'll have to send you some uh, I, I believe you. Feedback. And I believe you because, uh, oh, my God, it was at least 10 years ago. Uh, there was a Kickstarter long ago called Meat Soap. And that was really? uh, me and a few friends decided that we would take a bunch of different fats and make soap out of it and there you uh, go see i don't feel like i'm crazy now <laughs> it's still up it's still on kickstarter really if you search for kickstarter i am going soap, to do that those are my hands holding a bunch of what was it called meat soap soap Just all right meat soap. uh yeah and so soap. my friend Allie dryer and her husband and uh, another friend of ours we uh yeah we melted down a bunch of fat and strained it out and made soaps out of it and sold it as a Kickstarter. We ordered molds from China um, that had like a little pig blowing bubbles and said meat <laughs> like that. Yeah. yeah, I still have those actually in the closet. So. All right, I feel so if, much if you better you ever now. wanted to bring back like a meat soap brand, <laughs> uh, I could <laughs> yeah, send you, you the molds.
0: <laughs> oh, wow, that is crazy. I cannot believe that, that's so, that's so cool. Um, so another thing that is, uh, and I feel crazy even asking you this, but, um, you know, it, it's a kind of a sign of the times with everything that's been happening uh, in the country uh, with, you know, so, so many things changing, even the way people eat and uh, plant based uh, food is does it have a place in the in the smoker barbecue? I mean, have you have you come across some like
1: plant based barbecue or and, and I don't know, maybe that's very yes and commercial. yes. Yeah, okay. I mean, there's there's no reason that uh, barbecue fans need to be afraid of vegetables. I mean, we've been eating coleslaw and potato salad how, for how long? <laughs> um, I mean, I just smoked uh, cabbage steaks over the weekend along with the oh, lamb. Okay. And it was for specifically for a recipe uh, to put up online on the Texas Monthly site uh, for an option for vegetarian barbecue. I mean, I think there are, well, let's put it this way. For me, I'm not a vegetarian, right? It's obvious. But uh, if I'm going to create a vegetarian recipe, I want to do it with vegetables. Like I want to take a vegetable that I think takes on a smoke flavor well and is able to, uh, you know, transform a bit in the smoker uh, rather than, you know, making seitan or or something like that. Um, And so, I mean, cauliflower, there's lots of smoked cauliflower out there now. Anywhere from smoked cauliflower steaks uh, at 18th and Vine here in Dallas, they've done it for a long time. There's uh, cauliflower burnt ends at places like CM Smokehouse oh, in cool. Austin and Roy and Lewis in Austin as well. Uh, so, you know, these are, you know, straight up vegan barbecue. Now they are cooked in the same smoker as the meat. So, you know, they're not strictly vegan, um, but you know, they're, this is looking for ways to use vegetables that uh that are able to take on smoke well and i did learn through my uh couple of different cooks for cabbage steaks is that the green cabbage works a lot better uh, especially a little bit less dense green cabbage something that uh the more dense the the less smoke it's able to sort of bring into the middle of it and just the longer it takes to cook uh that that part's pretty obvious but the the lesser dense green cabbages work better than the denser red cabbages. Are but you I cutting really, the
0: core or anything out? or I actually,
1: is... uh, I tried it a few different ways. I tried them in wedges, that doesn't work out so well. Uh, tried them as stakes cut, um, you know, with, while first cutting it off the stem. Okay. Um, and those just fell apart. So using the stem for a little structure is helpful. Okay. Um, And so like a big head of cabbage, I was getting four, three to four steaks out of either you cut and keep the whole stem as your middle steak with two on either side, or you cut right through the stem, uh, and then do two, two more on either side of it. So you end up with either three or four, and you know, nice thick, nice and thick steaks, uh, put a little oil down on a pan on a sheet pan and uh, put the steaks on top, put a little more oil on top. You could use butter if you're okay making them vegetarian rather than vegan. And then uh, really just season them liberally on one side, on the top, uh, with your favorite barbecue rub. Uh, one with a little bit of sugar is helpful. And then put it on the offset smoker. And it takes on the color and really takes on the flavor of the smoke really well. Uh, it tenderizes and then it doesn't get quite tender enough in the smoker without drying out. So. I just uh, covered the whole thing in foil and popped it in a low oven uh, or a 300 degree oven and and just let it ride while I was um, getting the rest of my lamb out of the smoker. And they turned out really, really well. Yeah, that sounds awesome. It was good. Yeah.
0: I, I gotta laugh though because maybe it's the carnivore coming out of me. But when <laughs> I when you as you were explaining everything and you cut out the core, I'm like, oh, maybe we could stuff that with some boudin and smoke it upside down with uh, Well some- so <laughs> I tried that. I
1: didn't stuff it with meat, but I also tried smoking the whole cabbage with just the core taken out and I filled it up with a bunch of butter and seasonings and that didn't work out well either. Like the having the consistent thickness of the steak worked yeah. a lot better than the inconsistency of the wedge or the or the whole head, either one. I mean, I love doing cauliflower as a whole head, but it just didn't work out so well with the, with the cabbage. But uh, I'm also, you know, there's also smoked jackfruit showing up on several. Yeah, movies. yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I just had a really great one at Intrinsic Smokehouse in Garland. And it was the first time where I bit into one and thought, wow, this, this is a really good sandwich. Really? Like, this isn't okay for vegetarian barbecue. Like, this is a really good sandwich. It was, uh, you know, the... The the jackfruit itself, like each individual piece, had had structure to it, it had the smoke flavor, had the seasoning, uh, and then the sauce that they put along with it. Yeah, it was a really good sandwich. So, you know, I'm not certainly gonna not gonna stop writing about uh, <laughs> any sort of any sort of brisket and ribs or anything, but uh, you know, Sugar Fire Smokehouse. It was actually one of the funniest ones because. So they're uh, not a national chain yet, but they're a St. Louis based chain and they opened up a Dallas location and they have this um, smoked portobello mushroom sandwich, right? It sounds like, I don't know, boring enough, right? It's smoke smoked portobello sandwich, but they turn it into a Big Mac. And so it is massive. It's like a foot tall and it's got, you know, three buns and everything that would go on a Big Mac. It's got like the burger sauce and shredded wow. lettuce and, it is a little strange to see a slice of American cheese melted right on top of a (laughs) portobello mushroom. Uh, and, and honestly it was better after I ate half of it, just the top half, just taking it off. Uh, but it was a really good sandwich and that one was kind of fun because it's like, just because it's the vegetarian version, doesn't mean it has to be like the super most healthy version of a sandwich you can make. Right? Like vegetarians like to eat, you know, fatty stuff too. So, um, yeah, making it a little bit over the top like that, I thought was fun. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: I think I'm with you as well. And uh, I know Rachel and I have talked to you about this just being uh, more like if you're going to eat vegetables and plant based. I mean, I, I feel like still trying to eat more vegetables instead of, you know, things that are like really heavily processed and stuff like that. Because you can do some extraordinary things with like vegetables. Uh, and jackfruit, too, is definitely another one that. Uh, I've heard a lot of people really speak super highly of. I haven't tried it uh, with barbecue, but that's another one that we've got to we've, we've yeah. got to try out.
1: I've had yeah, jackfruit and- as like a pulled pork sandwich, almost as like a substitute for pulled pork, and it was really yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, I mean it, it does work. I mean it's uh, there's a, a I haven't been able to try it yet, but there's a new product uh, in like the freezer aisle. It wasn't in. Um, my local grocery store but barbecue and it is smoked jackfruit that is um you know seasoned like barbecue and they're they're selling it as a barbecue substitute hmm. I, I mean if i were to choose the name of a vegetarian barbecue off- option i think i would st- stay away from something that sounds like barf but mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah right bar- barbecue um anyway just don't say too fast <laughs> right.
2: daniel um i have a i have a couple of questions you were uh not too long ago we did a, a podcast with a, with a pastry chef that she used to be an architect two, and she moved to the culinary world and i was amazed when i was uh, i was actually looking at your linkedin and when i was reading that you were an architect I was like and and then you you also have knowledge on uh project design and stuff like that it was like this is, for me it's pretty interesting how you moved from architecture to barbecue it was just because of because you like barbecue or something like that and at the same time, I want to know a little bit more. We were not too long ago in Texas, and I was always like, so we are, we are here. I want to really know what is the barbecue about here in Texas. Because, I mean, everyone is always saying, like, you're not going to – well, they're going to tell you that in every city. You're not going to beat our barbecue and stuff like that. Uh, so if you can tell me a little bit more about how you move from architecture to actually the, the barbecue world. And uh, what is actually the Texas barbecue? What is about
1: it? Yeah, well, yeah. So that first one, how how I move from architecture to uh, to writing about barbecue. I mean, I don't really think there's much of a connection between the two. Um, you know, I do find there are. And as soon as I say that, it's like Chris Reed, uh, who writes for the Houston Chronicle. He's their barbecue columnist. He's an architect. Uh, the folks who run mm-hmm. ZZQ up in Richmond. Uh, one of my favorite barbecue joints. They were both architects. Um, Wow, Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I think there is something about the well-roundedness of an architectural education. I mean, I spent five years at Tulane um, getting my master's in architecture there, and so there's a lot of other classes to take. But honestly, once I got to architecture professionally, um, you know, it's like only about 10% of people who graduate from architecture school and go on to work in architecture do the thing that they learn to do in school, which is design buildings it's a very small percentage of of the of the team um, who is you know producing the, the plans of a building is doing the design part right um, so I was a project manager a project architect project manager, and so my job essentially became it's not so much design um, i didn't even wear glasses back then uh, <laughs> i didn't wear all black and uh, it was it was writing persuasive emails to owners and to uh, consultants and to everyone else. So so like I did end up spending a lot of my day writing um, and I don't know, maybe oh, I see. maybe my persuasive writing in my emails, uh, you know, helped um, helped somewhat in the writing that I do about barbecue. But I, I also think um uh, I really enjoy the construction administration side of architecture, which is being on on the site, watching the building get built, um, working with the contractors, uh, solving problems daily, uh, solving multiple problems daily. And that job more than anything is about observation and uh, being able to go out there and pay attention to what you see and what it means and how it compares to the drawings and the intent of the design. And I think, The thing that gets left out so much when talking about what it means to be a food writer, I think the primary thing to be a good food writer is to have a good sense of observation. That's why it's so hard to write about a restaurant that you've gone to. To write about a meal that you've gone to with three other friends is really difficult because it is hard to really pay attention to everything uh, that you need to pay attention to and remember about that restaurant when you have so much else going on around you. So um, that observation is, you know, for me, from a barbecue standpoint, it starts when I pull up to a restaurant, you know, what, is it, what does the place look like? What is the, What are the cars that are parked outside? Uh, is there a wood pile? Is, does it, is it too neat? Is it, is it out in front of the building and obviously decorative, or is it a little haphazard out behind the building, which is always preferable? Uh, where is the smoker what kind of smoker is it can i drive around the back of the building and see it and get a little bit of a preview and then walking in like what is the menu what does the menu look like how is the service style uh you know and what what are they trying to do with the design of the place is it is it all just kitsch and they went to the flea market and bought a bunch of stuff that said howdy and and oink uh or do they have s- some stuff in there that's a little more personal what's the name of the place you know i uh to me, I love the barbecue joint name to be the name of the person. I think that has that says a lot about what that person expects and the sort of responsibility they place on the restaurant. I mean, they know that, especially a small town place. Like I went to a place called Wade's Barbecue here recently in Lufkin, and his name is Wade Barbie. Like it's Wade <laughs> Barbies, Wade's Barbecue, uh, and he's like, this is my name on it. And this is a small town; everybody knows who yeah. I am. So if my barbecue sucks, like it's going to be personal. And so I got to make sure it's great. Um, but also the observation of just looking at the meat and watching them cut it, watching them slice it. Um, you know, it's obvious, pretty obvious just watching them prepare a tray or a sandwich, how much they care about that endeavor. And, you know, what does the place smell like? Does um, it? if it doesn't smell like smoke at all, like there's a problem, but if it smells like yeah. dirty smoke, that's also a bit of a problem. So there are all these different things, uh, you know from an observation standpoint that i think does tie in to especially the construction side of architecture uh, now to completely shift gears and what is texas barbecue i mean the uh, you know the the only, the best answer i can give you is like there isn't a texas barbecue and that's the hardest thing is for so many food writers who come into texas or who, who want to write about all american barbecue it's pretty easy to distill down what Memphis barbecue and what Kansas city barbecue is, especially since they really encompass the barbecue style of a single city and its environs. Uh, Texas barbecue, it's massive, it's, it changes so much from one end of the state to the other. Um, there's different tastes, there's different ingredients, there's different proteins that, uh, you know, it's not all brisket in Texas. You go down to Southeast Texas and it's just as much about the beef links um, that are all beef, um, you know, made with beef casings that often aren't eaten. They're more like eaten like a boudin where the, the casing itself is, is taken out and eaten separately on a piece of white bread. And that is, uh, you know, that is what people in Beaumont and Fort Arthur, that's what they value about their local barbecue joint is how good the links are. It's not about how good their sliced brisket is. That's completely different in Central Texas where it is all about that sliced brisket. Um, you know, you go up, uh, or, sorry, you go down near the border, you go down uh, in South Texas in the lower Rio Grande Valley and smoked fajitas and cabrito, uh, smoked mollejas, the sweetbreads, um, barbacoa these are the things that are more important wow. uh, not saying there's not good sliced brisket down there it's just that you i can't go into all these different barbecue joints all over texas and expect that they're all trying to create the same type of barbecue
2: right each one has their own signature product or dishes um sorry to ask again about uh talking a little bit more to the uh barbecue editor um how was from the beginning was it like hard to get to a place and because i i figured that you don't always go to a place and you like it is uh it, it has to be like something from time to time that the place is not good so how you deal with those situations when you get in Im- i don't know if you get invited or you just go to places but if you get invited to a place you have to play polite or you go and you straight tell them but you don't publish that like listen, I, I think that the barbecue wasn't great starting from the outside to the inside or how you deal with those situations? I mean,
1: all the situations are a little bit differently and it's also quite a bit different now than it was when I started. When I started, not a whole lot of people knew who I was. I, I've never been anonymous. I've never tried to be anonymous, but I also never tell people when I'm coming. Uh, I mean, there might be you know, specific reasons here and there that I need to interview someone specifically and maybe I've already been to that restaurant. That I'll, uh, that I'll set up a meeting with them ahead of time. But 99% of my barbecue joint visits are, I just show up to your barbecue joint and I order the food. And, um, you know, these days a lot more people recognize me and know who I am when I come in. But, you know, the brisket's already done. Ribs are already done. It's sitting there in the warmer and they've, they've got to slice off whatever they've got. Yeah, so um, it's not like you can refire the steak or, you know, put together, uh, you know, put another burger on the grill instead. You've got what you've got and maybe you give me the best of what you've got, but at least I know you can do it that well. Um, and so, you know, as far as what I tell them there and what I write about it later, I don't write about every place that I go to. Um, you said I might here and there have a bad meal. I mean, the thing is like most of the meals aren't great. Um, that's just the way it goes. I mean, there's like 2000 barbecue joints in Texas. So, um, you know, to expect all of them to be great is like expecting every slice of pizza you pick up in New York city to be great. Like, it's just not going to happen. Uh, and so I, if, if you've got a huge PR team behind you and you've been telling me every week that I need to go to your restaurant (laughs) sucks, then I'm going to tell everybody that it sucks. Right, like, right. If, if you're, uh, you know, if you're a husband and wife team out in the middle of nowhere and you're open Thursday and Friday and nobody's ever heard your name um, and I go out there and I don't have a meal, I don't feel like it's all that constructive for either the reader and definitely not for the business to be like, hey, everybody, this barbecue joint you've never heard of. It sucks. <laughs> right. it, doesn't, it doesn't really provide right. much, you, you know. Right. I, I, if I had a personal mission statement in my job, it is I connect people with good barbecue. And that is what I see my mission as. And I don't, that doesn't mean I only write about good barbecue or I only, uh, I only say nice things about the barbecue joints that I write about. But um, you know, if you have fantastic chicken and sausage and your brisket's not very good, then I'm going to say that in the review. Now I'm also going to get like, 20 people who go visit it and like, Hey idiot, their brisket sucks. And I'm like, I told you that in the review. (laughs) Um, If you would have read it, you would have gotten the chicken and sausage instead. Right. Yeah. But uh, as far as like how I talk, like the, the people in the restaurant, like a lot of times I will get approached by the people who run the place uh, or who cook and ask my opinion. And, you know, you guys know how it is with some restaurants. Like, Hey, how was everything? Like they don't care. Uh, or you know, can you can you give me some constructive criticism about what's going on here, and I'll break it down for him completely. Like, there is nothing I'm going to tell you, or there's nothing I'm going to write in my write up about this place that I'm not willing to tell you right now. Like, here are the things that I think you could work on. Here are the things I think you could do better. Here's the things you absolutely shouldn't change. And so I'm perfectly willing to do that. That's awesome.
0: And uh, Daniel, I don't want to put you on a spot by picking out a favorite. Or I was uh, gonna (laughs)
2: say the same. (laughs) Me (laughs) too. Have been wondering (laughs) uh,
0: the best region or anything like in Texas. But is there is 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 there any regions like if somebody like is visiting Texas for the first time, and they really want to try to you know they're they're a big foodie, they love barbecue. Is there any uh, whether it's like any restaurants or do you feel like there's any of the cities or any areas that you're really kind of excited about where you say Wow, this is like writing the next chapter of this, you know, the motherland of barbecue that has this rich history in, in, in the craft of cooking barbecue. But do you feel like there's any uh, cities or any regions that are really kind of kind of pushing the envelope that are, you know, what what is what's going to be the next 10 years? Any anywhere you're
1: excited about? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, I'm just I'm excited about barbecue everywhere. Uh, I know, I know. but that's it's not so going to be, my. Places. don't worry. That's not going to be my answer. Uh, so one <laughs> of the things that is most exciting to me personally is that we are seeing a resurgence of, of small town barbecue. And for the longest time we had all the, all the great barbecue joints were opening up in cities and the old school barbecue joints, uh, in the smaller towns were going away. Uh, you know, closing up and nobody to come replace them. So seeing a place like Burnt Bean Co. in Seguin, Texas, open up uh, in December and really do some amazing things. I mentioned Wade's Barbecue in uh, Lufkin, Texas, and uh, there was JW's Barbecue in Jacksonville, just up north of it, Jacksonville, Texas, that is, and uh, Mimsy's Craft Barbecue in Crockett. Uh, Seeing some of these new places open up doing a, a really phenomenal job in their small towns and not feeling like they can just mail it in because they're in a small town and they're, and it's like one of the only options around. So that part is exciting. But that that being said, like still where the growth is in great barbecue joints is primarily in the cities. And there's, there's some good things happening in San Antonio. I think it's about to really break out. If you want to talk about the city that has got the most just, fireworks going on right now it's definitely fort worth texas uh the the places that have opened there then the new places uh both you know um just months old a couple of years old all of them doing really phenomenal food um and if a place opens up in fort worth i can almost guarantee you it's going to be good like the the competition there is just so hot right now and that even is bleeding over into, like, the mid-cities uh, with a place like Hurtado Barbecue in Arlington and Zavala's Barbecue in Grand Prairie. They're kind of in between Dallas and Fort Worth there. Um, but So I would say, like, Fort Worth, uh, Goldie's and Bricks and Panther City and Danes and uh, Derek Allen's and Heim Barbecue is the one that's been around forever. there now on their third location. Uh, so anyway, I, I love what's happening in Fort Worth right now. If you want to talk about a city with the most, like a, a metro area with the most great barbecue, it's definitely Houston. Uh, but that's also because the Houston metro area is like the size of Rhode Island. So uh, it is massive. And, uh, you know, it might take you an hour to get from one barbecue joint to the next. Yeah. You know, with uh, with Tejas barbecue up in Tomball and uh, Killen's down in Pearland and Corkscrew up in Spring, then uh, Gatlin's right in the middle of town, um, Pinkerton's truth uh i mean i could go on as far as like concentration of really great barbecue it's still austin Mm -hmm. Uh, i mean the number of great places that are in austin that are i mean the same hitting the five place hitting five great places in austin you could do in like an afternoon um doing that in houston it's going to take you a couple of days just from all the driving right so um so much of the great barbecue in austin is still concentrated right around the downtown area man it makes me want to make a road
0: trip like (laughs) well and that's the thing like
1: and if you're gonna make a road trip like focus on one of those places because you can get a full weekend out of any one of those you don't have to come down and like oh i'm gonna come to dallas and eat at a couple of places and then go down to waco and go down to Austin and on and on and on, uh, just focus on one of those places and really get to know a city and, and the barbecue styles that are emerging within that city.
0: Awesome. Well, I know we're getting, uh, coming up here on the hour. We we're just
1: getting started. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I, listen, you've been super generous with your time. And yeah. I, like I said, I know we're kind of going into uh, barbecue season now, and that's why we thought it'd be a great time to be able to bring you on the show and really, Uh, enjoyed the conversation with them. And I feel like, you know, this is one of the podcasts that I've been taking some notes and uh, you get some really cool ideas and uh, some great places that I want to check out. And I also, I love the fact that, uh, you know, you would expect that you would kind of point out a lot of like restaurants that are uh, in the big cities. But I I think just to echo what you said about supporting uh, a lot of the smaller establishments where that's like, that's what they do. You know, they don't have any, they don't have any uh, intention of like, you know, franchising or turning in. They just want to, they just want to do what they do and they want to do it great and serve their community. And I think uh, if anything that last year has shown us, it's like how volatile, you know, this whole ecosystem that we're in. And, you know, you really got to try to support those stores because, you know, if anybody's an essential business. Um, if that's your, if that's your, your, your business and you work there with your family or what have you, I mean, that's, that's an essential business. And I think the community, as much as they can support them or people visiting, uh, Texas, you know, put those small places on, on your list to, to go to. And, and, uh, you know, you'll find some
1: great barbecue and you're going to support a small business owner. Well, and we want to hear about them, too, because we're I'm right now in the midst of the search for our next top 50. We do it every four years. And so uh, we are in the thick of it now for the next uh, like month and a half, two months of uh, traversing the state. There's actually a team of like 30 of us from Texas Monthly who are going all over the state trying to uncover the next uh, great unknown place. Uh, Whether we'll find it or not, I don't know. But uh, in the November issue of Texas Monthly, we'll come out with our next uh, newest top 50 wow. That's awesome. That's do you great. do any uh research and barbecue testing outside of texas or do you s- try to stay specifically in texas well so i see my particular beat as like any barbecue in texas and any texas style barbecue outside of texas Uh, You know, it's, I wouldn't say I'm like the Texas barbecue sheriff, but it's like, if you're saying this is Texas style barbecue, uh, I'm going to come check it out. And, uh, you know, I'll be the judge of that. Not really. But uh, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to always go try Texas barbecue wherever it might be. And that's not just in this country. Like, Gone to you know Mexico and Australia and Belgium and France and like it's amazing the places that you'll find Texas barbecue joints. Um, right, right as the pandemic hit, I was in Peru, and I got stuck there for a little bit, for a little while. And the whole time I'm stuck in this hotel and like just a few blocks away is this barbecue joint that was on my list, but I had never gotten to. And so I'm just staring at it on the Uh, map. Like it's right there. But uh, at that point, like restaurants couldn't be open at all. So, I mean, it really, there are Texas style barbecue joints popping up pretty much everywhere.
2: That's crazy.
1: Any Texas that, yeah, I was going to say any that you recommend down here in Florida. Florida. Oh man. That's the... Uh, this conversation just has we're my we're stomach, ready. like, going
0: <laughs>
2: crazy. I'm so hungry, you you, you
1: said you're in Miami? Yeah, near. Okay, well, um, I mean, Hometown Barbecue opened up a location in Miami. Yeah, so that's right, yeah. Not, not that okay. long ago. So I haven't been able to get out to that one. But if it's, uh, you know, if it's anywhere as good as the one in Brooklyn, then that is certainly a good option for you. Uh, but I know that, like, every time Best Barbecue in... And which you know the best barbecue in every state rolls around. It's always like Four Rivers Smokehouse in Florida. And while oh, yeah. I, I like Four Rivers just fine, it's like we need a, a new great barbecue joint um, to, to mention in Florida. Right. And I, maybe it's maybe it's hometown. Maybe that'll be the one to hit. I'm not sure. Well, Daniel, too. Next time you're uh, traveling through v- Virginia,
0: uh, we're based right outside of Washington D.C. Uh, we have our restaurant here. Route six five seven. You always have a standing uh, invitation anytime you're passing through. And of course, our good friend uh, who I worked with uh, uh, at the Greenbrier, Ken Hess. He just opened up his restaurant, County Smoke. Uh, County Smoke. Yeah, he does an amazing job. uh, Him, him and his wife. And uh, but, uh, but we'd love to have you anytime you're up passing through the area. And I got to send you some uh, of the uh, brisket soap uh, just to get your your feedback on it. So. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put that in the shower and just not tell my wife what <laughs> Daniel, where can
1: uh, our listeners uh, find out more about you? Well, uh, so I'm at BBQ Snob on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and then on Texas Monthly's homepage, uh, you can just click the barbecue button and see pretty much all of my writing. Awesome. Well. I uh, can't thank you
0: enough for uh, spending some time with us uh, today and uh, definitely I uh, got some great uh, insight here, some great ideas, and we will be following you the rest of the year and looking forward to the November list is that's when it's going to be the top 50 will be coming out. That's right. Yeah. Book your trip now. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you what, I, I'm going to, I'm ready to go to Texas.
1: We have to, right we have now. to go
2: for, uh, I think that we have to go three or four more times to we Texas do. this year. Yeah, so, that's right. Um, so we're going to be there for sure.
1: All right. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, I think late October the list will come out, so use it as your guide. We okay. we definitely
0: that will.
2: Great. That's great,
0: Daniel. Thank you so much. Thank
2: well, you. Thank so you much. all. Thank it was great. You. Great conversation.
0: Take care.